Greetings, friends! Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my night-crawling, creepy co-host, Alex Dandino. Mm. <laughs> All right, that's it. Before we get to tonight's movie, a little business. Uh, please take a second right now, right now, and leave us a rating and review wherever you find the show, especially if that happens to be Apple Podcast app. Quick five-star, couple sentences helps us out a lot, guys. Thank you for those of you who have been doing that. We do appreciate it. Um, also, you can find us on all the social media you're on. That's another great way you can help the show out. Uh, retweet the show, share the show, add them to your stories, all that good stuff. Invite your friends uh, to join you here in the Film Alchemist podcast. We thank you again. Also, you can go to our YouTube channel and subscribe over there, Film Alchemist. You can see video versions of these podcasts and some other uh, cool stuff we're working up for you. So, Film Alchemist on YouTube. Also, you can email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Uh, with ideas of anything you'd like to see covered on the show, new, old, double features, themes, guest hosts, whatever, uh, let us know. Uh, we actually got a really good one uh, recently. So, yeah, you guys are we're starting to see the emails fill the inbox, which is my dream come true. Uh, getting those awesome movies, especially a bunch of you have sent us movies I have not even heard of. So thank you guys uh, for all the help you give us. All right, 2021, rough start. But that doesn't mean that we can't better ourselves. As the world goes to shit, we are going to crystallize ourselves like coal into diamonds uh, with our New Year's resolution. So one of our resolutions, we're going to get the job. We're going to get that promotion. Get that right? dream we're gonna, job. Yeah, we're going to move on up, right? Moving on up. That's yep. us this year. Uh, our moving on up movie, Nightcrawler, selling, starring uh, Yake Yellenhall, uh and his cheekbones. So skinny in this movie. Uh, Alex... <laughs> initial thoughts on nightcrawler i love nightcrawler this movie is like I yes think this, in like 10 or so years this movie i think came out in 2017 in like 10 years this movie will become one of those like quintessential la movies um it's because there, there's always like there's movies like there's like chinatown the long goodbye uh magnolia there's a lot of movies that celebrate the city itself this is a great version of like accidentally celebrating things in this city because hey it's los angeles there's a shit ton of crime out here like there's just again i have my citizen app i get alerts through the night being like hey someone got robbed down the street hey someone got murdered hey there's a naked lady i'm like great we could all be night crawlers if we wanted yeah um, give me more of that last one keep the scary shit to yourself. <laughs> keep the other stuff but uh please continue with the let's see i think the weirdest one i ever got was strange naked lady walking down the street that was the alert and i'm like that's not even that's not even like whatever yeah. but i'll tell you the truth though my experience is walking around hollywood late at night is whenever i saw naked people out in public it was never the idyllic scenario that you had worked not. up in your mind it's never it's never a like oh i'm gonna get out of bed and go see what this is it's always like oh wow i'm staying indoors for sure especially Liar. for those of you who, i don't know if anybody's been watching that nightcrawler documentary on netflix but whew, I'll keep you yeah. indoors for years. Well, I was um, telling you it was weird. I watched that in Nightcrawler, and I was actually like, I kind of miss LA. And then I'm like, what the fuck what I'm is saying? wrong like, with This you? is like the thing about Nightcrawler <laughs> that's so cool is, yes, the performances are fantastic. Like, the script is very cool. But it is this, like, odd celebration of this city and how, like, fully willing we are to just be like, I'm going to make this work, however it goes down, you know? And that's, like... <laughs> 
that's the quintessential Lou Bloom, Jake Gyllenhaal's character in the movie is like, I'm going to make this work, whatever it is. Like, and you know, what's sad is I realized, um, in the movie, there's, um, well, earlier in the movie when he, uh, steals that bike, he, the way, you know, that the character's about to go into like Lou Bloom mode is he, uh, puts his hair in a little man bun and my fucking hair. Yeah. Like that's what my hair is. Oh, right you're now. Lou Bluminous. I've got a Lou. Oh no, yeah, that's his. Uh, that is to him what the the turning the baseball cap backwards was to Stallone and over the top. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's time to bloom, baby. It's time to bloom, like, baby. <laughs> like that. But I was like watching. I'm like, oh fuck, do I have a Lou Bloom kick? Oh no, I got a Lou Bloom cut. Well, yeah. I mean, I think the funny thing about this movie is, in a really just succinct way. It captures what I think, because I, I was in Angelino for 11 years, right? I was out there with you guys. Mm -hmm. What I think everyone feels about the city, right? I think a lot of us like certain people. We like the idea of what L.A. can be, but there is a, a hollowness to that city, right? As much as I love my time there, there always feels like there's something off or wrong in Los Angeles the whole time I was there. And I think this movie, in a really interesting way, catches this the kind of empty facade of everyone and everything in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And again, that's not always the case, right? But right. especially if you're trying to, you know, if you're going out to LA to be the ladder climber, right? Right. You run into a lot of people who are like this. The moment they meet you, where do you work? What are you working on? How can I latch onto that? How can we do this together? Right? right. I'll use you as a stone. Eventually I'll cut your throat and step on your face, but we'll do it together. It'll be great. Right. And there is this, this hustle and hard work that I think, somewhat gets lionized out in la right like that's well, the way and you I, forget the the human cost of this and lou bloom yeah. becomes this really interesting avatar of he just seems like he talks in podcast and is really committed yeah and this weirdly, is a guy that's what who a lot like, of people want to be <laughs> yeah this is like a guy who reads like wikipedia all day and then just yeah. like goes out and does crazy shit at night like the first time we see him, he's literally like stealing copper wire, manhole covers, all kinds of shit. Like there's just, he's a hustler. And I think that's like the crazy thing is he, you're like the best way to put it. He's this avatar for really like the city at large. No one, everyone who comes to Los Angeles and I'm speaking like there's, I think in the time I've lived here, I've met four people who were born here, like yeah. born and bred Los, Los Angelinos. Everyone else comes from another city comes from another state come from another world altogether to the oh, bright lights big city i'm gonna make it yeah. here i'm gonna, I'm gonna be a their star parents did you know yeah and i think but, what's crazy I mean, that's the weird thing though right like when i lived out there my wife was a nurse right mm -hmm. and so she would always be like she just had no her la experience was so dramatically different than ours right because she's just like yeah like i work with like normal people to talk about normal people shit we're not trying to hustle right, right? like we're not meeting and networking she's like yeah i just like go to work and say babies and i'm like you don't get it man you're not you're not in the war it's <laughs> but it's weird because yeah because what i what i was thinking today watching this movie right is i was like this movie is a serial killer movie oh yeah it's just we do all the killing for lou bloom and he just gets to fucking jack off after the fact well i think that right it's a serial killer movie where we kill ourselves for the killer well what's in interesting way. is it's a character Again, this is a rare movie for, in my opinion. The, the like Nightcrawler to work is pretty fascinating because Lou Bloom has no character arc. His character arc is no. success, but he remains the same kind of like 
I think the way they describe him in like a lot of articles is uh, a coyote. Like that's how Gilroy wrote it is he's a coyote, which is just like a predator who is driven by hunger. That's it. And that's really kind of like what Lou Bloom is supposed to be in the movie. But that's all he is. He never he never aspires to be anything other than fed, which is fine. Like that's his life and that's what he's going to do. But like to me, that's the thing that makes this movie so rare and so fascinating is that for me to be like hanging on every word that comes out of this guy's mouth, which like 20 to 50 percent of the time is bullshit. Actually, I lied. Oh, yeah. 70 to 80 percent of the time. Is bullshit. <laughs> way, Sorry. Way, way, way higher there. bullshit. <laughs> Sorry. 70 to 80 percent of the time is total bullshit. Like and again, he's a great it's he's a huckster. He's a hustler. He's a great bullshit artist. Like that's what. And I think this is the quintessential thing about Los Angeles is we all kind of are full of shit. We all have to be. If you're not kind of full of shit. What are you doing out here? Like, this is like the whole point is, you know, you kind of yeah. got to you bullshit your way. People, I, I tell you, the only reason I am sitting here in the job I do talking to you right now is I lied during a job interview and said I could drive a 24 foot truck. Only reason. I full blown <laughs> lied. Yeah. No, I mean, but again, this gets back to, you know, the fake it till you make it thing is a very time honored American. I, sure. I've always thought L.A. is it, it takes a lot of shit. But I was like, I think it's a quintessentially American town in that I agree with you. I think everyone goes out there and they're like, this is where I'm achieving the American dream. Right. I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's, you know, Hollywood shit and this and that. But that's the goal. Right. You're going to come out there and, you know, go from nothing to being this big person. Right. And I love that opening scene, too, of Lou Bloom. He, so he's stealing all the stuff. I'd forgotten he just jumps the security just guard the and steals his guard. watch, right? Yeah. Which becomes a, a really interesting prop throughout the film, right? This kind of constant reminder that he's not who he thinks he is, but he thinks the watch is making it. But anywho, right, with the scene that nails it, right, is he goes and he's trying to barter with the guy selling to, right? Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll get take this much. And the guy's like, I'm not negotiating with you. Yeah. And he's he's still trying to spin it, right? Well, okay, if this will establish a business relationship. Hey, are you hiring? And he does that great Lou Bloom vernacular that he sets up, right? You know, I think this. I'm determined. You know, I think this. He, like, does this walking, talking, TED Talk of how to be a resume. Mm -hmm. And at the end, the guy's like, no. I'm not hiring you. And he goes, well, what about an unpaid internship, right? Get my foot in the door and this and that. And he goes, no, I would never hire a fucking thief. Yeah. And it's one of two times in the movie, right? Maybe three times where someone truly sees Lou for exactly what he is. Right. And the guys, you can spend all you want. You can read everything you want. Because Lou Bloom is a man of talents. Oh, yes. He is intelligent. He Immensely has all these skills. You just... And one of the hardest things to accept in the film is you look at a guy like Jake Gyllenhaal and we're trained. That's how people in L.A. look and people that look like him are going to be fine. Right. Like he's this attractive, smart, well-spoken man. How is it not working out for him? The sad fact of the matter is L.A. Uh, those stars are glued to the sidewalk with the blood of guys like that. Right. The blood of their dreams. Right. Uh, you know, those guys exist ever out here. So you see that and you're like, how is can this guy not even do it? Right. But this guy sees it for what he is. He's like, you can say you're whatever. You can put on the front. You're a fucking thief. Right. You're less than. Mm -hmm. You're a defective. And so the, the thing you said a moment ago about this character being a coyote, I think there's actually something much darker about Lou Bloom, right? Because 
I think the movie plays, he is just swimming from thing to thing like a shark, right? Mm -hmm. And he does this amazing acting bit, Jake Gyllenhaal, with his eyes. When he goes into, you know, Stallone over the top arm wrestling mode with his fucking top knot, he does this thing where his eyes almost become devoid, right? Like he is, he has those hollow shark eyes as he just gets shockingly close and up in people's shit Mm -hmm. when EMTs are trying to work and whatever, right? He's devoid of that. But I think by the end of the movie, you start to see this other thing, right? That I think for him, this is about the suffering, right? I don't think he wants to get fed. He do- It doesn't seem like the money and the accolades and the fame are getting him anything other than the ability to revel in suffering, right? So it is a different thing. And I, I think to your point, right? I don't know if you agree with this, but I think in this movie, Lou Bloom doesn't have an arc. He gets revealed a little bit, right? To be more of this monster of kind of our creation i think in a weird way the arc is the audience i think by the end yes. we have to suffer and realize that we love this shit and we just don't often see how the sausage is made you know? right well i think that's like that is exactly what it is the arc of the movie is us realizing that we this is absolutely a creature of our own making like 100 oh, yeah. percent. and not only that it's this like sort of it's this symptom of the symbiosis of news of uh, the, if it bleeds, it leads mentality, like all that kind of stuff. Like there are things that we find interesting because we're told they're interesting. And then there's things that we find interesting because they're so shocking. They couldn't be anything but, and I think that is what makes nightcrawler so fascinating because this isn't about this movie is not a contemplation on like, a man trying to make it in Los Angeles. This is a, this isn't like one of those weird, this isn't like a think piece about someone trying to make it in the biz. This is yeah. literally about a man, a man who learns that the only way to be, the only way to be successful is to be an animal. And that I think is like the, that I think is the quintessence of this movie is that there is no con like he's, his conscience is, so eroded when we meet him in the first place again he jumps a fucking security guard this is a guy who probably does not make a whole lot of money but lou bloom knows that he makes less so it's eat or be eaten it's kill or be killed so he decides from the first minute of this movie that that's what the story is going to be so what we have to do is sort of just sit there and watch it occur and realize oh my god I absolutely like I don't have TV, but I definitely read the news and I definitely watch the news when I find it. And I'm like, oh, my God, I totally will watch a fucking high speed car chase if I know it's on. Like, that's because that's what we do. Like, yeah, it's the temptation of knowing that it's the temptation of knowing that something. Someone else is putting themselves out there and the people who are willing to put themselves out there. Like, I read a lot about the research they had to do. Like, they actually. They went out with some of the, they make a cameo in the movie, but they went out with these actual Nightcrawler guys. And it's just incredible. Like to be able to be like, to be able to be devoid of emotion, but more importantly, like sort of lacking all precautions when it comes to like safety in a lot of ways is one of those things. And like, obviously I'm sure there is some movie magic when it comes to like Lou, Lou Bloom's <laughs> want to be in the action, which is again, pretty shocking. But again, there's, there's all this, he does so much crazy shit. And I'm like, it's got to have happened somewhere. Like without question. Well, I don't think it's a big, I think this is the trick of the movie is it's not a big leap for us to imagine a man who does this for a living crossing the line. Totally. 
And what happens to us is as we're watching it, again, like the scene when we're, we're behind watching Renee Russo and her team mm-hmm. produce the segment where he walks into a crime scene, right? And actively sees dead bodies. He's there before the police, right? So he's there. He could have been a helper in a couple ways, right? He could have tipped off the people that did it. There is a dying man in there. He could have got the ambulance. Like, there's a scene when Lou Bloom is sad there's no dead baby in a crib, right? Like, this is the kind of man we're dealing with. And as we see him do that, right, he's in the gathering phase. And Renee Russo and her team are cooking it up for us. Reiterate, they're on the loose. Reiterate, Rich Whites. Reiterate, right? She gave him the manifesto yeah. earlier. Rich white victims at the hands of minorities. That's what, like, imagine our news show is a woman running down the street screaming with her throat slit, right? And I think most of us are trained to not assume that's what the news is. And as you watch them, Lou Bloom goes and gets the carcass, right? And then Rene Russo and them fry the carcass up mm-hmm. and they fucking serve it to us. And you're like, oh my God, I've watched so much news in my life. You know, and I never stopped to think that behind yeah. it, there could be all of this extra trash. So what it does, right, is by watching Lou Bloom in that moment, normally we have these many layers of protection that keep us away from being the, the person who's just peeking into the crib. Yeah. And this well, movie's the, saying, no, you don't. This is all for you. Well, the scene that hit me where I was like, oh, my God, I know people have fucking done this, was where he was trying to get a better angle after that car accident, and he literally pulled the guy into the light of the car and I'm like, there's no way that hasn't happened. Absolutely people have done that. People that have been that also hard. has one of my other favorite shots that they do a couple times in the movie. Is I love because a lot of times in movies, right, the camera is played as if a character's carrying a camera around and filming, right? They're played as someone who only can look at the world in a fantastical sense. Right. They're devoid from reality. The shot they do a couple times, right, is when He's filming, and he holds the camera up over his head. And then the camera pushes in, the other camera, right? The actual, like, narrative lens pushes in on his face, essentially having a face orgasm at the carnage that he's Mm -hmm. surveying and him manipulating the crime scene. So it's showing us that Lou Bloom, at least, is not using the camera as a defensive mechanism against the world. He likes being right up in it. He likes essentially directing misery right. and suffering, right? And I they do it a couple times. They do it really well when um Bill Paxton's getting put in the ambulance. Yeah. And his eyes lock with uh Lou's because Lou again is holding the camera up in this really weird position that almost no one ever films anything in, right? That I've ever seen. Uh and it's just when their eyes lock, there is this moment, right? And and it lets you know that Lou loves being balls deep in this reality that he's crafting and it's it's a really cool it's a really cool visual motif they come back to a couple times yeah it's cool i like that i like a lot of the just the way la is shot in this is really fascinating to me like it's it's done a it's it's not like it's unusual or anything like that but there is something about it that is they're not necessarily the worst parts of town like i think that's a big that's something that I like just because I live here. Like I remember the first time watching it and not paying attention to that. This time when I watched it, I really paid attention to where they were. And like a lot of these calls are in the Valley. And I think that's kind of fast. Like the big murder scene is in Granada Hills, which is this sort of like nicer community over here on the other side of the mountain. And 
I think the really fascinating thing to me is everything is shot sort of everything's shot very grainy. Everything feels very like there's no emphasis done to like light anything, which I like a lot. I think that's the thing, and that's what makes Jake Gyllenhaal look so much more terrifying is because they don't like try to really light a whole lot because he's so thin. Like he lost something like 30 pounds for this movie. So his yeah. eyeballs are like fully and Jake Gyllenhaal has like gigantic cow eyes. So they're just like sunken into his head. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, no, he, you expect him to turn to the camera and do a crypt keeper like outro every time he's in a crime <laughs> absolutely, scene. Absolutely. Like that's what he looks like in this movie. And that's the crazy. That's the thing is like the shading on the just from the camera itself. The filming of his face is so much more terrifying, not just because his cheekbones are crazy angular when he's that thin, but his giant eyeballs are sunken into his head. And you're like, there's something lost in here. Like there's something just lost in his face where it's like, he doesn't care. Like, and you get that from his actions too, but you're like that, those shots, particularly where the narrative camera takes over and really locks in on him. Scare the fucking shit out of me. Like it's scarier than my current fear, which is the night stalker, which isn't, which isn't a thing. anymore. (laughs) Well, in a way he is the night stalker. He's totally the night stalker. when you see Jake Gyllenhaal have an emotion in this film, oh. it's really unsettling because he is so trained. Because th- he has this thing. Like I was watching uh, Eyes Wide Shut recently. I was watching uh, The History of Swear Words, right? Mm-hmm. And there's this weird thing with certain actors. Like One of the things I love about Eyes Wide Shut is people shitting on Tom Cruise. Because I, I can't imagine Tom Cruise as a human being like us, right? Yeah. Everything about him feels so fake and so full of shit. The thought of, like, just spending a lazy Sunday with Tom Cruise. And, like, what's this guy do for fun? Like, can you just have a conversation with him? I feel like everything he say would be so phony that you would just want to, like, attack him as, like, he was a pod person, right? (laughs) And Jake Gyllenhaal really captures that well, right? Everything he says comes off in these, I read this, and his every... Like, watching his uh, his relationship devolve with Rene Russo, right, is probably yeah. where you see some of this the best, is it starts off and, you know, she's like, yeah, good stuff. You know, come back if you got more. The next time he starts that, you know, I think why people do things as important as what they do, right? And that that's a question I want to come back to, too. But the moment directly following that, right, is he's, like, giving her a handshake. He's like, I just love the news. And when she's shaking his hand, you can see on her face, like, Ugh, like genetic yeah. red flags something is wrong get the he's fuck big, away from skeeved, this guy. he's a big skeeve like la guy like that's i yeah. think the like and then you see it start to turn more and more and by the end it comes fucking full circle where all of those red flags become things she's singing his praises for of course why would i mean again this is like the this is the really kind of fascinating thing about the movie in general is all the things that we should find to be deplorable about this human being or what makes him <laughs> a great crime scene reporter. <laughs> like it's what yeah, makes, right. him, makes, makes him profitable. And that is like, that's the really terrifying. The, the thing that actually, to your point, the thing that the moment where I was like, Ooh, this should be like the really big red flag is he, when they're watching his footage and he starts going down, he starts describing framing because I'm like, yeah. how many fucking times have I sat in like a, I swear to God, how many times I sat in like a cinematography class and listened to like guys talk about the frame is very important. Like, yeah, yeah, I get it. I understand. Like you make sure everything's, <laughs> I get it. that's why I'm not a director of photography, but like, 
to hear a person talk about human press the carnage, red button nerd <laughs> but to hear a to hear a person talk about human carnage in the way he talks about it which is as entertainment that is that is what's like bone chilling in these scenes that's what makes him right. truly terrifying but this is that's see that's the fun thing though that this movie always goes back and forth with because we have an enormous amount of sympathy for Renee Russo, right? She's just doing her job, working with this guy. He leverages her into essentially, if you want to keep, he's done this deep internet research on her. Yeah. You're about to get fired. You're the worst producer in the worst cha- station. You need me, right? And if you want that, I want you. And it's this, of all of his deplorable moments, this is face-to-face with an actual human being. He will continue to have to have her witness him at work. It's an absolute nightmare scenario, right? Right. And she acquiesces, right? Because we see later when she yells at Lou Mm -hmm. and he comes back with the footage, right? And he's like, you know, I want this and I want this and I want this. Oh, P.S. Next time I tell you to do something at your apartment, do it. Don't. And you're like, oh, fuck. So, like, you know, the deal's been made by how she's reacted and how he's reacted. And you can imagine that sex with Lou is a horrendous act in puppetry right like it just seems like it would be an absolute horror show take away the the setting and all that right but by the end in a weird way renee russo is exposed as another lou right lou cannot exist without renee russo right putting his shit on air and by the end is she's telling the cops to fuck off as he's clearly set officers up to get shot this and that she, the other guy's like, this is ethically insane. He's like, we got to report that that murder that Lou stumbled into, uh, that was a drug shooting. That wasn't a family getting shot in the hills, right? And she's like, no, save that for the noon crew and no one's watching. It ruins the narrative. And he's, they start fighting, right? Like, that's not ethical. That's not ethical. And she, he's like, you sound like Lou. And she goes, I think Lou is showing some of us what we need to aspire to. And it's, it's the moment of the film. You're like, oh, my God. So this guy went from predator to her tormentor, to, I mean, she, when she, they're watching that footage of the, you know, cop running up and mur- blowing away the murderer, when they turn around, they are so intimately close and whispering. I mean, that's the love scene. That's a romantic, epic sweeping, like, oh, God, he finally got the yeah. girl scene. As this misery is in the back, as she's like, hey, isn't that your dead partner over there? Is the roadkill? And he's like, yes. And she's like, oh, my God. And you're like, what is, and that's, that's this whole movie, right? Is everyone who comes in contact with Lou essentially is willing to also sell themselves. People's people are just not, I think Lou says it at one point, right? He's like, so many people try to cloud their communications rather than just concisely telling you what they want. Lou Bloom is pretty fucking upfront. Everything about him is false and horrible and off-putting. But he doesn't give you a lot of like, you know, I'm here for the children and charity and blah. Like, he, no, you I know mean, what Lou Bloom is. Low, the rest of them are, are lying to themselves low. far more, we find. I mean, I think that's what makes Lou fascinating is like with his lack of an arc is it's not an arc so much as it is. He's like just like I was saying, he's this animal who's just devouring everyone in his path. Like, I think that's kind of the that's always the thing that I think about when I watch this movie now is just everybody is in Lou's way not Lou necessarily Lou has a very like projected trajectory for himself he knows exactly where he wants to go he doesn't necessarily care 
what direction it is, but he knows what direction he wants to go. So what it is is like, can you get out of his way in time or are you going to be eaten by this beast? That's really because like Rene Russo singing his praises at the end of the movie. That's that's her. She's been eaten. It's not even a pod person thing. She's literally been devoured. She's literally sitting yeah. in the belly of this Sarlacc pit of Lou, Lou Bloom just sitting there going, oh, my God, like I'm going to be here for the next thousand years. That's. Yeah, well, he he just eats away at any like everyone's last threads of decency, right? You see it with his assistant, uh, played by Riz Ahmed, right? Oh my god, yeah, fucked. This is fucked. We got to call the cops. This is crimes. And then he's like, "You got to pay me more." And Lou's like, "Yeah, okay, I'll pay you more." And he's like, "All right, man. Now I can feel good about this." And that's the line where you're like, every person that comes in contact with him, and it is the weird. Again, this gets back to very much how the LA experience feels sometimes. Is you see these horrible pieces of shit that seem to just keep being successful by being horrible pieces of shit. And it trains you in your mind to be like, are they onto something? Right. Is it my fault? Like, do I have a weakness somewhere? That's a very, and, and that becomes this running theme of everyone he comes in contact with just rots and wilts. But that's, I mean, I guess the other thing too, is the movie fails to show us one person that withstands that. So I don't know if the movie's telling us there aren't people that withstand that, that we all sell ourselves eventually, or that Lou is just so exceptionally devoid that he has this black hole gravity. I don't know what they're trying to say exactly. I think it's, that. I really do think it's not. Well, no, that's the, okay, I lied. There are two people that tell him to fuck off, and it's the detective and the construction guy at the start. Right. But so at the start, though, here's like at the start, Lou's a blank slate. That's actually it's interesting because like, these guys are bookends to the movie. So at the very beginning, it's a blank slate. Like we don't know Lou from Joe. So like Lou being told to fuck off seems like probably pretty customary because he's a total fucking scumbag. He's stealing copper wire. And like when we've beat him, he's literally clipping a fence. You're like, all right, that makes sense. Like, of course, you don't want to get in trouble with the cops. So you're going to tell a fucking thief to fuck off at the very end. This is Lou. I guess this is kind of an arc. Lou. No, it's not. Lou is actually a completely he's the same person, but with all but with everything in his gullet. Like, I think that's the thing is he's yeah. consumed everything. He knows all the tricks. He knows that he knows what he did and he knows how to do it. And he he's gotten away with it every single time. So, yeah, what he's doing is this time he's the one holding all the cards. It's, it's the same conversation. Just he's now the construction foreman rather than being Lou Bloom. Yeah, I mean, in a. Because when he starts, like, stealing copper wire and shit, I think that's something we can all somewhat forgive in our hearts. Like, there, there's a part of all of us that I think believes in that Robin Hood, you know, kind of parable, right? The, sure. hey, if you're down and out, you steal a little bit, but you, you have other skills, right? That's how you think of him a little bit at the start. You lose that really fucking fast, right? Yeah. As you start seeing him getting more and more, like, drifting into this house where a shooting happened and getting right in fucking people's faces they're trying to save lives and the more you see him dehumanize himself, right? You lose that really fast. So I would argue just because he wins at the end of the movie, which is a weird choice in and of itself, definitely doesn't mean he's fucking right. By the end, he's committed horrible atrocities, right? Oh, yeah. Because, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the ending I wanted for him is what Bill Paxton got, right? Yes. Like that realization when Bill Paxton is locked eyes with uh, Lou Bloom. And he's sitting there and he's like, fuck, he's become the product 
that he's been selling, right? Yep. They make all this money off of misery, just fucking human misery, and then regurgitating it back to us like baby birds, right? Where it makes us more fucking afraid and more likely to be commit violence ourselves and this and that, right? It just keeps everything horrible. And when Bill Paxton has that moment, oh, my God, I've been consumed by another monster of suffering. I'm the product now. I do wonder if there's a part of me that wanted to see that for Lou Bloom a little bit because, I, like, an ending where Riz Ahmed survives and well, rats him out. I mean, I think the important – sorry, go ahead. Well, no, I'm just saying, like, it, it's, it is unfulfilling, but, you know, I'm assuming on purpose – I mean, yeah. You just say, hey, this problem isn't defeated. This happens all the time still. I mean, yeah, I think there's that. I also think that it's really important for there not to be consequences for Lou Bloom in this movie, actually. <laughs> I know that sounds weird and, like, sort of antithetical, but it's... <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to walk me through that one. Yeah, like, here's my thing, is Lou's development as a character, which... Mm-hmm is pretty lacking in this movie is more the about the reassurance you get and the reinforcement you have of doing the wrong thing the right way. Like he has continuously done the wrong thing the right way. And at every step he is rewarded for his behavior. Mm -hmm. So for there to be consequences at the end of the movie is almost moot because to me, Lou, like let's say Riz Ahmed survives, rats him out. We've seen Lou weasel his way out of everything at this point. There's no way he would have gotten caught. And there's no way also that he wouldn't have found. And it, it, it's it's probably one of my favorites. It's probably the best scene in the movie when Riz Ahmed's laying on the ground and literally he says, like, I cannot have someone holding something over me. Like, yeah, he does. Well, no, that. Not even that. It's so much less personal. He says, I can't jeopardize the future of right. my company. Exactly. And it's, it's, oh, <laughs> it's terrifying. But that's what yeah. the character is. So someone who's that obtuse someone who lacks that much empathy is never going to get caught. Like it, Again, you were right. It is a serial killer movie. We're just watching someone not necessarily, we're just watching someone profit from his murders rather than just like go home and jerk off in blood or whatever they do. I don't know. I'm not a serial. Oh killer. yeah. Well him walking through that house, getting right up on those bodies. Oh yeah. That is the exact same thing I watched in that night stalker documentary, right? Yep. He is experiencing the same the power and the, those kind of, you know, right. uh, erectile enhancements, right? Like, right. this is what Lou Bloom is getting off on. He just doesn't have to do the dirty work. So, he just goes and collects a check after. But to go to your point of, like, or to ask, like, why I think Lou Bloom should not, like, he can't be consequenced in this movie. Maybe later on down the line in, like, whatever world he lives in, perhaps mm. he'd, be get, he'd get caught, get in trouble at some point. But... For the purpose of this movie and for the purpose of caring about this character continuously through the movie. Because you shouldn't care about Lou. I was going to say, that's not the word I would use. Like, care is the wrong word. But it's the only word I'm, like, coming up with. Like, mm-hmm. more, I don't even know if intrigue is the word I'd want to use. Because, like, he's That's horrific. probably, clo- I mean, it's the it's old, close. you know, there's a, tr- a car accident and you can't look away. Right. But That's what his footage is, but that's also what he is, because we just do not experience human beings that function right. like this ever. Well, like, but Lou... Lou getting caught. Let's say Riz Ahmed survives. Riz Ahmed dimes him out to the cops. He goes in. However, that scene with the cops goes down the exact same way. Even with an eyewitness saying he did the wrong thing, 
He yeah. literally just said, this is someone I hired off the street. How do you know? Right. I own the company. I brought this up. And then what you yeah. do is you have the exact same conversation as he had at the very beginning. He's like, I work for myself. I'm my own boss. Why would yeah. I put myself at risk? Like, again, <laughs> he has all his bases covered because he lacks so much empathy. All he cares about is right. not the job, but sure. the ability to the ability to eat. That, I think, is the most important thing. And I there there would be a triteness to that, right? To see sure. Lou Bloom be punished and locked away, it reminds me a little bit of the ending of Psycho. Yeah. When you're like, Norman Bates being put in that prison isn't really a punishment for Norman Bates. First off, he's gone. Mommy's home. Right. You know what I mean? So you're like, it's not this thing where like, oh, that makes the world a better place. There's a scene when Rene Russo, right? When uh, they're like, isn't that the guy on the floor? And the detectives go to uh, arrest Lou. Right. Because he clearly set up this incident at the, you know, donut shop or whatever that was. Mm -hmm. um, there's a smile from Rene Russo. Right. And I thought that was her being like, ah, oh, finally, like someone's helping me take out this guy who's a problem. And I got what I wanted. Right. Again, I think that would be trite as well, because you want to punish the whole system. Right. The whole because the last shot of the movie. Right. And I think also the end of the opening montage is just that moon and antenna towers right broadcasting this shit out to all of us on top of the hill mm -hmm. and so the thought that he goes down for it okay we've already seen there's all these other night crawlers someone else is going to inevitably come and fill this void right yeah. this this fucking battlefield glut of misery right like if there's money to be had they're gonna have it yeah so I, I, it wouldn't have mattered a lot but i think that's it's 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 it takes balls for the movie to pull that off, honestly, because you're sitting there and I think we're all so frustrated that we know this movie's telling us that we're bad, that we're bad human beings in a bad society because we've let this fester right. and we want this. You can go to Twitter, right? Take traditional medias out, right? Because we're not old people. Like, we don't get our news the same way our parents did from the fucking six o'clock team, chop a team full or whatever, right, right? right? Go to Twitter. What trends on Twitter every day? Whatever people can be the most fucking furious about. Or outraged or offended or, oh, it's horrible to watch. Don't watch this video. Even shit like skateboarders breaking their arm videos, right? right? We want this shit. So I think in the movie, we're looking at Lou Bloom and we're like, punish him. But really, it's like we want to be spanking our own asses. We just don't have the gumption to do it. You know what I mean? Right. And so it's, it, there is this anger that you're just left to sit with at the end of the movie. Like, God damn it. <laughs> I mean, I think that's the proper reaction like no one should end this movie and go boy that guy has a bright up bread on the money i gotta i gotta get me a camera from a pawn shop like no one should end the movie thinking that um yeah like but you're right like we should all be like yeah disgusted with ourselves disgusted with the system and then also we should be looking at lou bloom and being like that guy is everywhere it's not just a guy profiting from people's misery from the six o'clock news it's about i mean i mean I, I can't tell you i mean how many people do we know who are like that and just in this business like there's like people who are yeah. all over like that it doesn't necessarily have to be that extreme but there's shades of it everywhere and i think that's the kind of terrifying thing and the thing that the movie does so well like dan gilroy i understand like dan gilroy wrote and directed this one and like i think that's the really important thing about a writer director like this is he understands what the reflection is. It's not just like, look at you, society. How dare you? 
you are evil people. What he's saying is like, think about it next time. Don't, like you're going to keep doing it. Like, I like that lesson much more yeah. than I, I like, I prefer that lesson to like this, like finger wagging, like nanny telling me like I did something wrong. It's literally someone being like, just think about it. Next time you see this happen, you're going to be shocked right. how terrifying it is. Well, I think it's, it also comes from a place where he's like, me too. Like, we're yeah. all caught by this. It's genetic, right? That's why they do this to us. Totally. That's why we're trained to react to these things the way we are. Right? Oh, there's danger in my neighborhood. That could end my lineage, right? So I think he, he doesn't come from it as a place that's super preachy. No. But every scene is just dripping with subtext that is really hard to just admit. You know, like, there's... Yeah. um, I'm trying to think. The, the couple scenes that really of him slipping a little right those re like the scene that i thought was really fascinating is when he goes home and he's mad because he hasn't gotten shit right he didn't get the big scoops he missed out on the fire to bill paxton's uh crew mm -hmm. and this is when he's gonna fucking murder bill paxton right yeah and there's this two two beat moment that just really kicked me right in the guts right so one is he goes home and looks in the mirror and I had to sit there and wonder, what the fuck does Lou Bloom see when he looks in the mirror, right? Does he believe this Ted talking, you know, fucking Crip Keeper facade? Right. Right? This linen-suited fucking cheekbone John Hammond lie. Or does he hate himself, right? Yeah. And when he screams, ah, into the mirror and attacks it, it's one of the very few actual emotional outpourings, right? I think it might be the only one. Well, I would say that there's three right because there's that no there's four right so there's that one there's him when he tells bill pax and he's like i just want to grab you by the ears and scream in your face and he doesn't because he immediately pulls back right but it gets a little worse every time right and then with renee russo and he's like when i tell you to do something in your apartment do it right so and then uh you know that one with the mirror and then riz ahmed at the end when he goes if you don't get out of this car like you're backing out at this moment i what if i hurt you what if you made a deal and you don't honor it and i've decided i'm gonna hurt you physically for that you know and i guess a guy who's 130 pounds could pose a threat to some people and you'd be like ah but yeah, coy <laughs> coyote, was, coyotes are terrifying we're told to stay away from them all that's the time. right i mean yeah riz ahmed is not like andre the giant by any means and plus there is a level when you're fighting someone you're like this guy's so fucking crazy well you know it's <laughs> interesting there are like those four <laughs> moments but it's just terrifying how often you feel like it's bubbling under the surface the entire time like Right. That I think because well, him, him keeping it down makes it way scarier. I agree. with Oh, you absolutely. Like the thing that I always the one scene that I always think about, I'm like, that could have been it right there was um, after they have like the montage of him um, becoming like the hustler. And it yes. opens on his like new car while they're filling up gas. Riz Ahmed gets back in the car and he pulls up next and he goes, I just want to tell you you're doing a great job. However, you got gas on my car. Gas will ruin the paint. And he like kind of unloads this like little diatribe and you're like is he gonna fucking just like is he gonna go off yeah. it's yeah. those little things like it's little ticks like that and like that is where i think the movie gets that's the turn in the movie besides it being like an act break that's the turn of the movie it's like very terrifying because i'm like he's now fully right under yeah. the surface because <laughs> almost the next scene is when bill pax is like hey man i'm gonna get another get another van i think you should probably hit it up you know it's mm -hmm. It's constantly happening by the right. end of the movie. Right, and that's, that's fucking horrifying, right? It's gnarly. Because 
we know really early on, right? When that guy calls him a fucking thief, we know that he's not what he says he is, right? So the right. nicer he is, the more we know he's lying. But back to the mirror thing, right? So he screams and attacks the mirror. Right. The next bit is when uh, they – why aren't we going to the rape in, you know, Eagle Rock or where everyone else is or Griffith Park? And you're like, yeah, why isn't he going there? Oh, fuck, because he knows what's happening with the Mayhem van, right? And he shows up, and Riz Ahmed's character gets out, and he's like, hey, man, don't film that. He's one of us. And he goes, not anymore. Now he's t now he's footage or whatever footage, he yep. says, right? And you see that. Is he, in a way, talking to himself? Are we the audience led to believe that eventually if we profit off of this nightmare, right? These people's night. He has that horrifying line to the detective. I like to say if you're seeing me, you're having your worst day, right? Like with a cheeky smile. Yeah. When we watch Bill Paxson have that realization, right, and we see him now talking about, is that something he's saying because he thinks it's going to happen to himself? Or is that truly just how he views every other human being, right? When he screams in the mirror, is he just mad because he sees, like, a flash of the human he was? Right? So there's this really cool, like, couple minutes where you're like, that's the only point in the movie where it feels like he's a little off his feet. Right, because things aren't going well, and he doesn't know what to do. So you see him right. sitting there, and is this a moment of reflection? And then he's like, no, I'm just going to fucking murder the Mayhem team, Channel 5 Mayhem team. And you're like, he's now, now he's back, and he's full predatory mode again. But that little sequence there is, I think there's a lot going on. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's just you, you go, you lick your wounds, and then you're like, all right. What's the next kill? Yeah. And that I think is that's the that's the scarier thing about the whole scenario in general. Like besides ripping a mirror off a wall, which again for a hundred and thirty pound man, that's very impressive. But like those things are literally that mirror's two thirds like, his body weight. <laughs> <laughs> I did read someone say that this was uh, his machinist, and I was like, is that just another skinny crack? Like come on, <laughs> come on, guys. There's better. Like actually, well, no, I don't know I if read you read some online. I read on Letterbox where someone's like, this should have been jake gyllenhaal's american psycho but it ended up being his machinist and i was like how fucking dare you that weird... can only be about skinniness yeah that's a weird thing no that's dumb. i think this is the best jake gyllenhaal movie by miles oh i think he's really movie... good in a lot of movies but i like yeah. what he does in this movie more than any other of his this movie is this movie particularly because of who of how engaging he is, how engaging yeah. he is as a character who literally learns nothing from his experiences. Like again, also that you just want to run away from, like yeah, you don't we're like, like this guy we're ever constantly not wanting to watch that. Like yeah. I can tell you when he starts, when he starts stringing, when he starts like filming stuff on his own, I am physically uncomfortable with how close he gets to that stuff. Like, I've, Oh yeah. I've worked on docs. I've worked on, I've done Verite work. Like I've done that kind of stuff. Like, no one I know has ever gotten that close to shit and been like, yeah, let me get right in there. Like got rid gets like, like, it makes me physically uncomfortable to watch the movie in those yeah. during those moments. But this, I would say like this and this and like prisoners are my favorite movies from him at this point. Like he's just, oh man, he, he's got so many, he's, he's an so amazing good. actor, but, and then Riz Ahmed's great. Something very special for me. I but, love, I love seeing like, Renee Russo. To your point like, though, that fucking sequence, right? Just watch what he's doing in that sequence when they're filming the cops. Yeah. So he has a double angle of the cops showing up. That The tension in that scene, like I was squirming in my chair knowing exactly what's going to happen. We all know what's going to happen. We all know that if that was on the news or we've watched videos of police and citizens fighting that end in death. 
So we know this is something we see all the time and doesn't make us that uncomfortable. When you see it, it's a matter of fact, right? It's weird that seeing it through these two fucking point of view cameras and their reactions, it somehow feels more real and uncomfortable to me than when I watch a video on Twitter of an actual human being getting killed, yes. right? It's it, but the tension building and then him in the car and it's, it's unbelievable the amount of tension they pull into these yeah. essentially foregone conclusions. I mean, this is a movie where I would argue there's never a decision where you're like, that caught me off guard. You know that Lou no, Bloom is always going to go happen. further and wrong, right? But it keeps right. – I think this thing about that scene at the donut shop is it really shows you how these people are just trinkets for our enjoyment. Mm-hmm. And, like, even when Riz and Med's like, there were, like, six other people in there and there's dead bodies. We just sit with that. We don't even see that scene up close and bloody. And you yeah. imagine it in your mind. You're just like, God damn it. This is for us, though. This is all for Lou, Bleem, Lou Blue's, Bloom's blood is to fill our fucking troughs. And it's true. Okay. I got one more question I want to ask you before we get out of here, right? So sure. Lou Bloom, when he's talking to Rene Russo about, I just love the news. I think that's something I love. He's, he's full of shit, right? Yes. But he has that interesting line, right? I think a person needs to decide why they're trying to achieve something as much as what they're trying to achieve. Why is this the path that fully ignites Lou Bloom? Wow, that's a good question. I think that because it, I think it is the, hmm, let me see if I can put this correctly. When we meet Lou Bloom, he is doing essentially what stringers do anyways. He's trying to profit off other people's misery by stealing things. This Mm -hmm. is cheap steals. It's not only that, it's competitive too. It's not about, you're not competing with other thieves. You're competing with other people who think they're doing the right thing. When you have a thief's mentality and a survivor mentality like the way Lou Bloom does, the why becomes because it feels good. That's what it becomes. Yeah. It's a, it's about adrenaline. And then, you know, the payoff is the money. But the important thing is in the moment you're living with the adrenaline of like being the first on the scene, that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, that I think is actually that might be the reason to me. That's what it is. OK, that's why he goes back and tears the mirror off. It's <laughs> he's he, he's been deprived of an adrenaline rush. The only way he's going to do it is by ripping a mirror off the wall. It's not it's not sulking. It's literally like trying to like suck the poison out. That's what it ends up being. He's getting amped up. Yeah, that's why. I got there. There's a part of me that wondered about that too, because again, he he starts garnering money and he's talking about money a lot by the end of the film. Yeah. You don't get the sense that it's ever better. We only see him in that one shitbag apartment. <laughs> one you that know, one. He shit. has a nicer car, and you're yeah. like, all right, so he's got like an that's like an old L.A. joke, right? Like. Lives four people in an 800 square foot apartment, has a hundred thousand dollar car to drive to the club. Yes, and you're like, yeah, I knew guys like that. They're like, oh, I got I a, at least another new BMW this year. It's like, all right, that makes sense. Sure, I'm still driving my '99 Ford Explorer, or whatever. But <laughs> that was not sour grapes. I like the old orange crush. But that's neither here nor there. I think what you start to see, right? Because he has that line I love when him and Rizamet are fighting about if they're going to go through with this, you know, illegal plan. And he goes, what if it's not? Because Riz Ahmed's like, you just don't get people, man. You're weird. You look at things weird. And he goes, what if it's not that I don't get people, but that I just don't like them? Right? And I think there's a part of this that is, I just think he loves being allowed to openly revel in the suffering of others. And I think that through that, all of his appetites allow him to 
Because I think that gives him the ability to create suffering in Rene Russo, create suffering in Riz Ahmed, mm -hmm. uh, cr like laugh in the face of the cops. I think Lou Bloom, because this is the one thing I was, I was kind of left pondering. There are bits and pieces, very few of them, that kind of hint at what Lou Bloom was at one point, right? Handsome, smart. It's like he didn't get a formal education, but you get the sense that he probably was on that path at one point. It didn't work. He mentions with Riz Ahmed that he knows about street culture and tricking. So you're like, you can imagine this was a guy who at one time was on the path like everyone else, was going to achieve all these things that didn't work out. He's not a traditional serial killer like Dahmer where you get the sense he's been like this horrible person since he was like 12. Right. Right? This feels like he was crafted later, right? After everything went wrong for him. And so I think that that's what I take away from this movie more is that Lou Bloom and by proxy us, that we just fucking like pigs in mud, just like to sit and revel in misery. Because imagine yeah. those like stranger in the night moments with him and Bill Paxton, like jockeying for who gets like Bill Paxton goes back. He's like, oh, man, it was a blaze. Five dead bodies. And they just they talk about this shit the way like I would talk about a strip club. Yeah. Like, oh, there were so many <laughs> like 10 boobs, 10 whole boobs. I got glitter in my eye. That wasn't great. But um, oh, and it's like it's. It's it just makes me sad, man. I just I think of suffering when I think of this movie and the fact yeah, that suffering's a fucking big business. Suffering is currency. It's terrifying and true. It's yeah, it's just an awesome movie. It's an awesome movie that for being almost two hours long moves for me at the speed of light. It goes so fast. Yeah. I mean, that ending is just. I mean, it's it's a fuck. You, like when Lou is racing through the streets, that's how you feel for like the last hour of that yeah. movie. You're just like, good god! It's like, not nearly. It's not quite the out. exhaustion you feel at the end of Requiem, but it's still a rush. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, yeah, which world would I rather live in? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's. I just I don't know. I was kind of surprised to read more reviews of people kind of taking shots at this film. I just. I love that it has so much to say, but again, I don't think it's in a very preachy way. I think it's unbelievable what Jake Gyllenhaal accomplish, accomplishes with no arc and an absolutely repulsive character. Yeah. Um, I just think it's an awesome movie, man. And it's just laid out. And again, it it leaves you with feels. Like a lot of movies, they don't <laughs> ask you to really sit and examine and just feel anything. Yeah. I just walked away being like, we're doing it wrong, man. We're doing the whole world wrong. We got to do better. And that's what you want out of these New Year's resolution movies. We got to be better. That's all there is. That's it, guys, for Nightcrawler. I hope you enjoyed this film as much as we did. Um, just really a fucking amazing film. It's awesome. Uh, we'll be back next month in human love. I might have to come up. I was going to say interspecies erotica, but that gives the wrong connotation we'll work on a theme name i yeah i but, believe non-human erotica was what's written on our um on our, uh, on, on our yeah, on whatever our sounds the least board. illegal right yeah people falling in love with non-humans right so we have uh shape of water her ex machina and ghost so yes. next month love baby uh you know with electronics and things like that so stay tuned for that leave us a rating and review wherever you find the show 
Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Film Alchemist. Email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Hit us up there or on social media. Share word of the show with your movie-loving friends, guys. We appreciate that. Uh, we'll be back with The Shape of Water. Uh, for the Film Alchemist, I'm Josh Griffey. I'm Alex Dandino. 